Hey, 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 are we harmonizing? That, that's almost a harmony. One, two, three. Hey, hey, hey <laughs> welcome to the comics table. Hey, we're here. We're doing a choral recital for all our listeners because oh, you're yeah, so yeah. special to us. We want to sing to you. That's right. Happy, uh, happy comics table day here on Father's Day. Yes, I don't think we'll air on Father's Day. No, but we'll, that's when well, we're maybe recording. next next Father's Day. Yeah, Father's Day 2019. Maybe I'll be a dad by then. I I can almost guarantee it with the way the earth's slinging sperm around I'll the start city. Dropping loads. <laughs> Gonna make somebody a mama. Oh yeah, baby. Uh, wow, wow. Welcome wow. to the comics table. We are so glad you're back. Uh, we got a, a a great show ahead. And uh, yeah, and I have problems with coffee. Yeah, what's your I'm a, coffee problem? I uh, I can't drink it, or I don't know what I'm doing with it. I'm a mess. I don't know. I'm dropping it everywhere. Do you have an ulcer? Or Probably. You, you actually dropped a coffee. Well, you know what? Uh, so I I didn't used to drink coffee. Like I was very much against any kind of mm. like substances in your body. You know, booze, alcohol. I was very straight edge. I, yeah. Like for no particular reason. You're like, why because... do you got to add anything, man? Just right. like be high on life. Which like, is just which is actually kind of true. Yeah. And and you know now. You know, whatever. But there then, are many chemicals in your body that exist already to do the things we need them to do. Exactly, along with shrooms. Um, but yeah. you know, I so I but I, but now I'm a regular coffee drinker because I'm older. Yeah, and I can't fucking what function. Fifty one, fifty two. Yeah, about fifty three. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just can't you know function without some caffeine up in me or some coke. And yeah. so. Um, uh, I'm drinking it all the time, and I don't even know what I'm drinking anymore. Like, I, yeah. I have a cold brew with almond milk, Ooh, yeah. and I don't even know why I do... Like, I just drink it with almond milk or soy, or... Like, it doesn't even matter anymore. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the difference is, really. I mean, taste-wise, I do, but, like, I don't know if it, it affects my body any different, if, mm-hmm. like, one's better for me than the other, if it even matters. I think I think if you can become a black coffee drinker, that's the best thing you can do. Well... Because there's zero calories... I'm just racist a, against coffee, in a so. black. Actually, I think there's one single calorie in black coffee. You know, I think black coffee's great if you can get, like, the supreme, most beautiful... Like brewed cup of like all this, time. This gallon of Dunkin' Black Ice. That, that I have would right be here. the complete opposite of what like, I. Like, I wonder if this is even made from coffee beans, or is it just a chemical? No, I think concoction. actually, chem, uh, 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 Dunkin' does good coffee, in my opinion. I mean, I think they have like good beans, actually. Yeah. And some people might think that I'm high on life, but uh, I, I think so. Yeah. But uh, the other thing is, like, I'm I'm also somewhat non-functional with it, so we I come into this lovely Ripley Greer. Uh, space. Where a recording suite. A recording I, would, I would call suite. this a suite. And you have to check in downstairs. Like they, I, I, there is a more rigorous check in downstairs yeah. than at the TSA at the airport. And uh, well, there's a guy here at Ripley Guru. He likes to he likes to tech, check your you know he he does he a just, pat down and sticks his finger up your butt. Yeah, but it turns out that's because he's an ex theater guy. Right. No glove. You know um, that guy that I'm talking about. No, the cafe cashier. I'm not as I'm not as handsome as you, so I don't get I don't get the feel ups as much. He really looks me up and down every time, and he always does. He lick his lips a little bit, just a little bit, and then he rounds prices down. Mm. He'll he'll be like, "It's five seventy five, but you can give me five. Oh, really? Is that really? Is that really? Swear it's happened like three times. That's is his dick out when he does that? Yeah, he's he's rubbing it, uh, and he's he's put a little. 
paint a little face on it. Hey, and what, what are we? What are we uh, we're like three, three, four minutes in, and we've we've got to dick. So that's all good. right. Yeah. yeah, that's a new record. Um, but yeah, anyway, I was downstairs. I put my co- my my coffee up on the the little uh, security ta- desk. Security desk. And as I'm going to grab it, when I squeezed it, the coffee just squirted out the top. Oh wow! And hit his monitor and his yeah. like his little notepad and stuff. I yeah. felt bad. Yeah, yeah, th- Such yeah. An idiot. I actually, when you were talking about coming into the building and the TSA comparison you were making, I wasn't even thinking of the downstairs security desk. I was thinking of the 16th floor where you sign in and you pay for the room and then the cafe. Yeah, you're right. There's so many layers of security here. Layers upon layers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a backpack full of guns and they didn't see it. Look, them, they so. just don't want anybody coming in here and attacking some 18 year old girl from Idaho that thinks she's going to be the next American Idol. That's so true. That there, is, there's a one single person roaming the hall here, reciting lines to herself. I just overheard her. Nice. Uh, when I use the restroom, a lot of a lot of auditions happening up in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a we have great guest today who's not here. Yeah, they said their train is stuck uh, or delayed, so we're just gonna we're gonna catch up. Yeah, um, and then, and then if it's not funny, we just edit well, that shit wanna, out. Do you, you know? want to talk? Do you want to talk about how you're feeling? Or do you want to yeah, not let's talk. talk about how you're feeling? Yeah, let's talk about how... Because yeah. you, you, I came in and you said you were having a, a comedy pity party. I'm having a pity party. Or a pity party, not comedy pity party. Uh, yeah, no, it's just... Uh, uh, I don't you know I don't know how to describe it in a way that is appropriate for our listeners that they're not going to be like, ah, this dick bag, you know? I don't think that's true, though, because what I was going to say, if, if our guest was here, I was going to ask her in a general way, like, how do you... Because, like, this shit is so miserable. It can get so miserable and frustrating, and it's so... E- you know, sometimes you just do have to, like, feel bad for how things are going. Right. So how do, how would she convert out of that, you know? And I think all of our listeners who are mostly comics uh, or other artists or people with lives and jobs, everybody has a rough turn of it. I think events. the only way that you can make it is to just be writing with your head down and just like not almost like just like blinders on and no matter what gets thrown at you or what happens you just keep moving forward, yes. you keep writing, yes. right? But that's my been my biggest issue. It's like finding Nemo, you just keep swimming. Well, you got to because like for me, I'm like a I've always been like a right on stage kind of guy. Yeah. Because I come from an improv background, I'm most comfortable kind of like spinning things on the fly. Yeah. But that's not necessary. That's not really effective for a long-term thing. That's, that's, that's all right to kind of get into the game and get some, uh, you know, get maybe like, you know, my first 10, 10 to 20 minutes, um, do some crowd work on the side, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but beyond that, like once, when you're trying to build, like when you're trying to have like a body of work, you know, you want to have like, like at least an hour of jokes. Maybe they're not all like, fucking killers but like if somebody stuck you up on stage for an hour you could totally do that yeah and uh you just need to have so much written material to do that and uh yeah so then everything else kind of ends up being you know built you know kind of a building into that so like my i'm always like i find like a home like a comedy home whether it's like uh through another organization or build something myself and then inevitably something kind of outside of my control mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with co- the comedy itself has nothing to do with what i've done or am doing uh just completely torpedoes it and then i have to kind of uh re- reset again yeah and uh and you know, well, for you most wanna... people, that's just part of the part of the deal. For me, it's it's incredibly disheartening. All right. Well, we're in we're in vague land right now. Do you want to get specific about that, or would you prefer not to get specific? Because I understand if not. Yeah, I mean, well, to, yeah. How how would you how would we be specific? Like, what what's the latest thing that in your mind got torpedoed? 
Um, okay, actually, let me give you the let me give you the history, Patrick. So originally, when I first started with comedy, um, I got involved in in an organization that shall remain nameless. Uh, that that was that was good at the time, and still good for if you're just coming out of the gate as a new comedian. You're in the first six months, and uh, you just want to get your chops going. You want to have like a nice rule based structured kind of mic and maybe a, a bringer show that, you know, whatever. And I was, I, I was uh, good enough that I was getting offered uh, the ability to kind of like be involved in this organization more deeply. You so were getting lots of stage time. So I was getting lots of stage time and I wasn't having to bring like all my friends and family out and burn them all, all the time. Right. The problem is, is I stayed in that mode for too long because I was doing that for like three yeah. years. Me too. Um, and it's because I was just getting so much stage time, and yeah. it was it was great, and it really did uh, help um, help me really drive my uh, my sets forward and get better and better. However, at the same time, I wasn't working my material as hard because I I was kind of not understanding what a uh, unique opportunity it was. Yeah, I guess yeah. you know. So I was getting that stage time, and the the amount of time on the stage was good, and it was really helping me build up. But I wasn't building the, enough material. Yeah. Now I'm in a place where I'm trying to build the material. I've kind of put together my own room with some with with a friend of mine. And now you know, due to like work that needs to be done on the, the venue that we've been working on, which is completely out of my control. Uh, you know, we can't. Uh, you know, we we're like out on pause right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it might just be like a weekend. Where like I can't do it, but it just kind of it brings to mind the whole notion of the previous thing, yeah. That just kind of like evaporated up from underneath my feet. History has shown you that things that you care about and things start going well, and then they get shot to shit. Yeah, and I'm a pessimistic person, well, so it's just, just just like feeds into the narrative. Not only are you pessimistic, you are you're you're talking in absolutes. Like it's either all there for you or it's all taken away from you. Well, and I, I think that's a mistake. Well, no, it is because I think you got to diversify as a comic, you know, you got to yeah. like really have a whole bunch of your fingers and a whole bunch of things. Yeah. But I think the way that I work is I like to have like a home base. Yeah. I like to have like a central operation like where a I'm central like perk, like a, like you want your version of central perk where you can go see your friends. Uh, you see Joey and Rachel and, uh, Kim, what are their names? Anyway, I don't know. I, I never Ross. watched that sack of shit yeah, show. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So it's you, your central perk has been uh, temporarily taken away. Well, yeah, and, 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 and I think that's good. the mistake is because I'm always trying to do that. I'm trying to build like a, a central base of operations, and that's just not how this works. Well, here's here's your th like you just said. I think you need to keep your head down so you can do your writing and all that. But I I actually think for you the unique approach because of how you do create, which is you're so funny in the moment on stage, is not necessarily forcing yourself to like keep your head down and write and whatever. Uh, it's more like keep your head down and figure out how to get on stage as much as possible, given the circumstances of your life, Sure. Like, which for right now isn't every single night just because you're a parent and you're, you're multitasking. You got a crazy, uh, high pressure job. Uh, I think, I think like instead of wall running, street, it's, it's just a maniac, you know, just stocks yeah, and yeah, yeah. day trading. And, he's always, uh, he's always bees closing. Uh, he's, he's making deals. Winner's got to close. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Coffee's for closers. I was just telling somebody to watch Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, Remy Falding. I was telling that too. Oh, you guys had a little, uh, like a date. Yeah. Let I me was, finish uh, my point real quick. <laughs> I, I think, so the room that you've built is amazing and the shows there are wonderful and it's going to be fine. It's, that's going to work itself out. 
about. I think what you should do in with that room is start a storytelling show or some kind of show where you, whether it's that room or a fucking cafe you live nearby or something, start a show where you are on stage for like 40 minutes a night. Like whether you're hosting or whatever, I don't know that uh, uh, there'd be an audience for that. You can do that. There's ways to do it. I've I've gone to mics where people hold. Well, no, I've the, seen the you host. do. I've seen you do that, but you did like a combination of storytelling and your your basically all your set material. Yeah, and that was like a that was a specific thing. But my point is, for a person who writes on stage, oh, yeah. like put yourself in that position. Like Rory Scovel, uh, Big J, like those are guys that that is what they do. You know, yeah. and I think you are. Like once your brain is unleashed in the same way, like you'll be just as powerful. You know, I, I'm curious though if, if if anybody else experiences this, where you just like sit down and you try to think about yourself, and then you realize like I have no memory for anything that happened in my life. Like I might as well have just been like wiped clean and down, re-downloaded every morning when I wake up because I think about really? ba- I think back to my life. And I'm like, I don't remember so much. <laughs> like, I, this, there's so much has happened in my life. A lot of yeah. like cool things, a lot of fucked up things, and like a lot of times, especially like when you watch them do storytelling, and they have like these in depth, like deep uh, uh, stories about like something that happened when they were six, and like all the details and shit. Like, yeah. I'm like, did they did they actually recalling that? Well, or some they... people will do reporting, like they'll talk to other people involved. You know, like you right. you, you should. Pick a, a day. So they, they basically construct a memory from like f- their own fragments and like what other people have You to know, say. I know a guy who embellishes his stories so much. When I hear them, I'm like, that is bullshit. <laughs> like, and, well, do you know because you know the original story? And I've heard like he oh, – I, I don't, I don't want to say like people know who this guy is. So I don't want to – like he was telling one story where he invented a whole job he had. He was like – I want to say this specific example just because I think it's so fucking lame, but like doing performing under the guise of storytelling and then inventing an entire job you had sounds wrong. Yeah, but and there's no rules about that, right? I think there's unwritten rules. I uh, know, man. I think you're I think you're putting arbitrary limitations on it. I mean, for stand up, I don't care. Like I've I've heard plenty of people, you know, say something about uh my wife and kid or whatever and they don't have a wife and kid, and that's right. fine if it's to service the jokes that that are just jokes, but I don't know. I think if you're presenting something as something, this thing occurred to me in my life as Patrick Holbert, and right. I'm like, like if you're talking about on stage about how you want to fuck, and you're just loose, 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 ready to rock it, then you you better have your dick out when you get off the stage, yeah. right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or uh, pussy out, you know. Yeah. Either way, let's say equal opportunity. Uh, anyway, have your genitals out if you're going to be talking about it on stage. Speaking about my genitals, let's do talk about Remy Falding. Um, um, okay, because really, what I want to talk about is the new movie Hereditary. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Um, I'm a little jealous of your of your of your mandate because I thought I was your boy and uh, but evidently I'm just like one in a in a in like a, a whole stable of men that you have. Well, you know how that happened. I went to the 6:30 at Climate because uh, oh because the plan was to go to our show. <laughs> yeah, after and then, that and then yeah. uh, and then that got canceled. So Remy was there and I just said, "Who wants to go to the movies?" And he said, "Yes." And we I mean, just no, went. Remy's a great guy. He's like he's on top of it and uh, it was very last minute. Yeah. But I uh, no, I've heard, I've heard I, it's I'm great. obsessed with this movie. I, I, I went with him because I wanted to go see it again. I went with Ross on wow. Sunday night. Yeah. And then I went I with Remy Thursday up. night. It's super fucked up, but it's really well made. And it's a really cool storyline. And I've been on Reddit for days hey. and days. Our guest is here, everybody. Look at that. She's here. Hi. How's it going? We've just been. Okay. Just... It's okay. That's oh, all right. you're fired. Oh, 
well, the, I guess we're even then. <laughs> Guys, please uh, please give it up for our guest. Katie Hannigan. Katie, Hannigan. Katie you can talk right into that mic like it's your, it's your favorite person. We're really just throwing you into the fire. Yeah. Okay. Is that all right? No, I'm I'm a professional. This I'm a is professional your, podcaster. There's water there. It's oh, thank you. Oh, if you'd like one. to have Oh, this that. is perfect. Thank you so much. I love yeah. I be, you know, I was actually uh pestering uh Patrick. I was like, we need to get Katie on the podcast because you've been on a couple of well, you've been on like one or two of our shows and then I saw you at yes. the uh West Side Comedy Club like destroy it up there. And uh I'm just a big fan of your oh, well, uh, of your comedic you. abilities. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I had a great time at your guys' show. I had a great um, vegan quesadilla. Oh, that mm. was that yeah. was fantastic. And I love um, Alex, of course. Yeah, he's so funny. I love funny. the V spot. I hate vegan food, but for some reason, I just can't get enough every time I go there. What is it? Uh, you know, it's the frying things in grease that really makes yeah, it, it just makes everything <laughs> better. Yeah, sugar is also vegan, so that helps. That's yeah. true. Um, no, they've got tasty stuff. Yeah, yeah, you have that quesadilla. You wouldn't know that there's not there's no like actual cheese in it. You can't tell. I yeah, always I don't get know the if my cata... can tell though. That's the only oh, thing. Oh, that's a problem. Not sure. I always get the carabano arepa. Oh, I love an uh, arepa. I didn't yeah. know they had that. They do, that and it's, the arepa is illegal. Corn. There's yeah. chunks of corn in it, mm-hmm. and uh, the the meat. Yeah, it's the meat. Air quotes meat. Right. Uh, tofu. Mm-hmm. And the spices and the avocado sliced up on top. It's oh, really. I love I'm, I'm doing a Jamaican empanada or like a. Cl- we should, you know, I guess they're a sponsor today. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're letting you do the spot. show there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great show. So yeah. fun. Yeah. We were so Thank glad you, you did it. Me. I think I was outside barking, so I didn't see your set. But Tristan oh, was, was raving. Great. About it oh, I was great. I was connecting with the young people. Good. You know, mm-hmm. they love me. That is what's <laughs> nice about that room is we can get very young people very in there. Too young. It's they're like, yeah, there's been like 16, 17 year old like parties of five because we're out there barking mm-hmm. and they, anybody can come in because it's a restaurant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you can do that. You can connect with anyone. I feel like you're you're very silly up. There. I lose them on my I jokes like about Senate goofy. committees. I just oh, lose yeah. them. You, know? you seem like you have a lot of jokes about that. Yeah, I'm just so guessing much. by your appearance. I got thirty minutes on C-SPAN, and it just doesn't work with this this group. Yeah, yeah, yeah or C-SPAN, anybody, I'd imagine. Oh, no. because um, <laughs> C-SPAN oh, doesn't have a Snapchat. The claws are account. coming yeah. out. Uh, you had a big weekend. I you did. Taped Colbert Friday, yes. right? Yeah. How did it go? Oh, it was a <laughs> dream. Awesome. It was a, it was the best day of my life, honestly. From really? the, the moment I woke up, I captured it on my Instagram stories, moment to moment. But it was a big <laughs> day that I was preparing for for um, about three months, I think. Really? Between like getting seen and then like putting the set together and then just running and running. And uh, so I, w- I felt like very prepared and not cool. super nervous. Um, is this your first uh, foray into the late night? Uh... This will be my debut. Yeah. Wow. Wow, so awesome. big, it was a big day for me. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I saw you Wednesday night at uh, Gabe Pacheco's show. And oh, yes. I that day I knew that Carmen, because I remember Sean... Donnelly and Carmen sort of were like, like the week before, we're like, oh, this cool news came in. I'm taping Colbert. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a weird show because they sort of tape them in batches some yes. days. Yes. And so that night, Carmen was also on the show. So I, of course, congratulated her, but I didn't know you were also recording. Yes. And I kind of like that I didn't know. And I like that you aren't the type of person that's like walking around like, hey, by the way, I'm taping the late show well i only told i tried not to tell too many people because i did make a an announcement on my facebook and my instagram after i had taped it and um you know of course i have 
many, many friends and acquaintances. <laughs> and, um, you know, people were like messaging me, yeah. which was so nice and so lovely of everyone to reach out. But it was very overwhelming. And so that was why I kind of didn't really tell anybody until after right. the fact, because I was like, I don't want to deal with, you know, and I even <laughs> randomly had like a couple people message me and be like, oh, hey, um, just wondering, like, how did you do that? Which I just yeah. feel like is so funny. And it's like, I mean, it's not really the like time. I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not the time to, you know, I, I, luckily I, ha- I could deal with that after. But it did end up being like a bit of a stressful um week for me because i had to do a few last minute changes no big deal but my dad also had a heart surgery oh my on God. wednesday holy shit so no he's fine it was like a cryoablation he has afib um so it's like a minor very wow. minor like as far as hearts go our last episode we we, we talked to a comedian that had a triple bypass yeah. oh really and yeah. who was that that's uh, uh, alejandro barrero yeah. he's, oh, i don't think i know he's that sort gentleman. of we're we're you know, we're all just, well, he was telling us like where he, you know, he had been involved, he was doing comedy for a while and then he kind of like dropped out of the scene because he was feeling so bad, but he didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And then he found out what it was and got this surgery. And now he's like getting back into the scene, but like, yeah, he just kind of like dropped. You probably haven't heard. Yeah. Cause he was getting booked all this stuff. And then he was just like, ah, I I can't go a block without being out of breath. So I'm going to, I want to drop out of this stuff. Yeah. Um, Which makes me want to check on him now. I hope he's doing okay this weekend. Yeah, let's call him now. Hey, buddy. (laughs) Just Um, pick up. But we're here with you. Um, (laughs) You know, the most exciting thing I would think about this is from now on, when you do a set, it's never going to be the very funny Katie Hannigan. It's going to be Katie Hannigan from From the the Late Late Show. Show. Yeah. Well, you know, my preferred credit is truly a magical lady because Mm -hmm. that is what I consider myself. And I actually, I don't, I never like to give credits at bar shows, you know, because I feel like it just creates this like false social status construct, you know, of being like, oh, you know, oh, pardon me. The only thing Uh, I can't, right. That makes total sense. But the only thing I cannot stand is just the generic intros for like people He's, that don't have any credits he to performs speak of. all over new york yeah, city perform all over the city clubs and colleges very funny yeah uh good yeah. buddy of mine good, well yeah. i mean the, the <clears throat> intros i've i've thought a lot about this because i do host a lot and i and i host um bringer shows also and of course no one there has credits and so you know the whole point of the introduction is the host is introducing someone as their friend and they're you know you're supposed to give um a little something to the audience to to help them um, get excited about the person. You, you may know, so know this guy from raising him. Yeah. Uh, for, as <laughs> yeah, as, as yeah. I think it's fine to say, oh, the very funny, you know, uh, or like, you're going to love this person. I think they're so funny or something like that. But, um, you know, it's like, when you come to a comedy show, I remember once I was in a, you know, a spiral of depression, which, you know, that happens from time to time mm-hmm. with the best of us. Mm-hmm. And I was crying to my best girlfriend, Sarah Snyder. Shout out. She's in China right now. She's at the airport. Um, You're that close. You keep in touch with minute to minute scheduling. Well, I she like was, that. She's caught at the airport. So she's just letting me know what's going on with her China trip. But I was crying to her and I said, oh, I just want to be, I just want to get to the point in my career where I can be as good as Bill Burr. And she was like, Who's, who is that? <laughs> And and it was just like a lovely reality check, you know, because it's like people come to shows and they hear these buzzwords, um, but it's like they don't know, you know, who who even watches Colbert? I certainly don't. I I think it's a great show, but I don't have cable and I haven't for 
15 years. I've yeah. never had it. So, um, you know, I just think it's, it's silly. Of course, you know, to say clubs and colleges is, um, at, at, a, at this point, a joke, you know? Right. And it's disingenuous yeah. a lot of the time, you know, that's, that's, that's maybe, that's maybe my main complaint, you know, like the whole introduction format is completely outdated and archaic. You yeah, know, this is yeah. from a time when everybody who was doing comedy had like huge credits or, you know, was doing huge shows. You know, it's like, if you're at a, a free bar show, you know, maybe you'll have somebody drive in who has an amazing credit but everyone else is like this person is working living their dreams that's their credit give yeah. them a round of applause for working a full day job wanna, and then writing and showing up right. tonight. i want to tweak that a little bit i don't think that it's an outdated in this in that sense i think what it is is that people have gotten a little bit more professional about their presentation of comics even on the amateur level i think pre, like at one point with it like it was kind of like less of a concern to 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 kind of do the same level of presentation that you would do at a high level of, of comedy. Like you, you wouldn't have a bar show where everybody would be presented like you would at Caroline's, for instance, something like that. Sure. But I also feel like in general, comedy has become like so much more of an amateur, you know, so many more people are doing it than oh, like sure. in the, you know, in the eighties when the art form really yeah. developed in the eighties, there were like a hundred comedians. You know? Right. And that's why I was actually, I don't know if we had a conversation on the podcast or we just talk about this in general, but like, I, I'm definitely talking to people recently about how I think there there definitely seemed to be a period of time with comedy where it was not really considered uh, as uh, esteemed, I guess, as it as it currently is. I think I think it was kind of associated like there was almost like oh, it's a disappointment that that so and so is only a comedian or something like that. Now I think there's been kind of over the course of time, people have become to appreciate it a little bit more as an art form and see it as like an actual. Um, like good thing to uh, aspire to. Um, hmm. I don't know. I, well, I, I've I mean, seen a shift in the cultural, especially if you you watch like old, uh, you, you you watch like old documentaries or you watch like even like old comedy shows or like the way that people talk about it. Mm. It's, it's just like, it's the, the, the way that people perceived it seems to have shifted in, Sure. I mean, I guess I'm not like a comedy historian, so I don't know if I can really like even speak well, speak to that without just like being like, well, intuitively, I feel like this or that. But um, I, I, I don't know if I would 100 percent even consider stand up to be an art form because, you know, it is it is like writing the line between art and entertainment. Yeah. You know, for example, if you when you do a show where the crowd is your crowd and you're really able to like live your truth truth as an artist um that's a wonderful experience but i I don't think that that's the norm when you're doing stand-up i think like a lot of times you're doing shows where um you know maybe they are like not responding to edgier material or they are not even smart enough to be like under like grasping um social satire you know so um but i think kind of like a dog fight to like make it fun Mm -hmm. for everybody yeah and and and, you know just because someone's stupid that doesn't mean that they should be like not allowed to have a good time or shit on um even though i will flip out usually if i'm not getting the praise i feel i deserve (laughs) um but you know i think because i have a background teaching preschool you know like that does like influence my approach to it a lot i think because it's like you know say a guy comes and he's like i do a lot of jokes about women he's not going to get all the jokes about women but he deserves to have a good time too you know so i try to like um i do like try to make myself more accessible um, because I feel like, you know, you had a horrible week. You came to a comedy club. You um, 
you know, you should be able to have a good time without being like, fuck, I guess I'm too stupid. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, and well, like as somebody who's been performing for years and years, it's like when you have been doing stand up like, you know, almost 10 years, it's like you're not like you see everything is like, oh, you're like, oh, that's so hacky. So and so's done that. So and so's done that. But it's like the person who's been to 10 comedy shows in their life, like they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I really enjoy about your comedy specifically is that uh, I do think if you if you perform outside the city, you realize like. Like, in, you know, most places outside of, like, New York have a, a, a kind of a different comedy aesthetic where it's like it, a lot of a lot of places, like if you go in the Midwest, they want a little bit more digestible comedy. Like, that's kind of like what's more seems to be what they're looking for. Whereas in New York, somebody will, will be a little bit more uh, willing to like, oh, just dig the get dig into it and get to the depths of your joke, whatever. But I feel like you do these jokes that are <clears throat> very accessible. But they also have like kind of like multiple layers. So if like if you want to dig down into some of them and like get like a get get a little bit more from it, you can. And part of that is like your delivery is so snappy and quick. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of tags with everything, and uh, so you can you can take it as like an easily digestible um, thing that's just like uh, that's just like funny on its surface. But you can also dig into it a little bit. And I think ultimately that's where everybody should be trying to. Well, I mean, everybody can do it their own way, but like, ultimately I think that that's probably the best approach to comedy is to like have a set like that where you can, where you can deliver this thing that, that Joe Schmo that, that just got off his like, uh, you know, 12 hour shift just wants down to at the dock. Unwind, yeah. Joe unwind and just get some like really easily digestible stuff. You can, can enjoy it, but also, you know, uh, Professor Stevens um, mm-hmm. can also like, oh, that's a nice mm-hmm. uh, subtle commentary on the human condition. Yeah, he, and he can sure, laugh sure. internally because he never laughs out loud. Right. I mean, you're not going to please well, everybody, of course. Yeah, but, I mean, you know. I think like it, it is so subjective as far as like what what comedy should be and you know because like also you know you could also say instead like i don't want to please everybody i want to have this tiny small audience who gets me and i'm an artist working in like you know a narrow form and i think that that's totally okay too yeah and i think also in terms of like what people are looking for as far as like tv shows and stuff i think that that actually plays much better i think like maria bamford would maybe be a good example of that no 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 i mean she's huge now maybe like she is huge but she she's all she's all always done like her specific thing i don't think she's really i don't think her comedy has ever been kind of uh, mainstream in the way that she's approached it like she has a very specific delivery i mean she had that one uh uh well, special if you want to call it where she just performed in front of her family in the living room which i thought was like yeah, awesome special 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 right <laughs> um so i i i i don't know yeah well, I, I think I, I think really the the important thing is that Katie and I disagree on every aspect. <laughs> of That's Am I, I think I may just be disagreeing with you, um, just for the sake of it. I um, <laughs> I'm like a little bit burnt out right now, and I didn't have coffee today. I just had matcha. I'm like a psycho for caffeine. I wish I. We were just talking. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Do you want me to run out? I'll run out right something now. from Gregory. No, see, I know. I was like, I was like, this place is right by a Gregory's. I can't go in. I'm so sorry. I ha- no, 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 because I have to rest happily. Because I get so I get so excited. You get keyed up. I get so thrilled drinking coffee. This is how exhausted I am. I don't know. Do you guys talk about drugs in here? I did coke last night. I yeah. went to sleep at twelve thirty. <laughs> wow, that's my life. I'm exhausted. And Wait, so twelve thirty like, today. You went to sleep or 
Well, what time is it now? 12.30 a.m. Okay. I, I did coke. I just did a tiny, I did, okay, a couple lines, three, f- seven. Um, <laughs> no, I just did a, a few well, little you were lines. celebrating. You had a big night on Friday. Well, I have iced tea and I go to sleep at 3.30 a.m. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> no. See, I'm so dead into it. I'm so dead into it. We well, are just a high energy octane, per, you know, high octane I person. I love to be jazzed. Yeah. yeah. I just come into a room and I think, oh my God, you know, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everyone feels it. Oh, thank you. I know. I'm sorry. I'm being so contrary. I'm just like I. I don't even know what I'm talking well, about. Well, no, no, no. It's no. actually a good state for you to be in because I want to throw a couple yeah. personal questions Ooh, at you. Oh my that gosh. Will hopefully lead to advice for us younger comics. You sure, you don't want some some caffeine though, because we were just talking no, about it. No, I, no, no. I, I, I have to detox one okay, day. Okay, I got you. I, okay. I was saying like day. I used to like be like I don't drink anything. I don't. I don't drink coffee. I don't drink booze. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah. Obviously, that's not the way I live now. But uh, you know, I need, I need, I need caffeine every day. Well, gotta, oh you know, no, I had matcha. Yeah. Matcha is like the same amount of caffeine. I do that when I'm sick. When I'm sick, I drink matcha. I love matcha. It seems, what is it like a steamed green tea? It's, it's just oh, green, no, tea. It's it's green tea. It's, it's round, but it is just so green you're tea. You're drinking powder. the leaves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It tastes like spinach. It like tastes like cream spinach if you get like a it's, a latte. It's actually it. yeah. its own. Um, actually, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually its own um, unique flavor called umami. Oh Can right, you the that? Japanese thing. Isn't right? it incredible? I, I'm obsessed with matcha. It's actually and I made just... from wasabi. <laughs> Have you even had tea? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I just like have to watch myself because like I'll just um, get sassy, you know. Yeah, and well, I just, the, oh, I well, just you have, don't Katie, even know. we brought you on for your sass. You we two, love your sass. You have like two oh, white men. We are the faces of the patriarchy, and we're just talking at you. So feel free to be as sassy. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm a Midwestern gal. Well, I was th- I was thinking it was interesting what you're saying about the Midwest because I have. A, because I am Midwestern, I would have come up doing road work there for years and years. Yeah. And um, I think you, you were like a bit right about the crowd where it's like they are very appreciative. Like even I'll work in like Cincinnati where they're, they're great, great um, crowds, very appreciative. Um, but, you know, they're kind of they're not quite progressive. You know, you can't go in there doing like Trump material. Yeah. But it's great because yeah. they'll come out like 100 at a time for like a, a Tuesday mic. Right, because there's literally nothing going right, on. Which is amazing as a performer, but I also probably gives you little imbalances to like what your abilities are. Because then you come to like New York and people are like, wah, wah. And you're like, why am I not crushing? I crush, you know, where oh, I normally. I love it. I love to watch somebody get their shit handed to them. <laughs> their third year in comedy. Oh, yeah. Just broken by the city. People come in so confident. It's all these young men. Yeah. yeah. They come in so confident with their big swinging dicks. You know, I've had people come up to me at open mics. I mean, I, I barely go to mics anymore. Praise God. But, you know, oh, oh, hi, who are you? I'm new in town. And then I see them a year later just so downtrodden. I'm yeah. like, oh, you deserved that yeah yeah you really need it you need it and i mean i i came here similarly i came here when i was 21 i was working in a experimental theater company and um you know i i kind of thought like i didn't think things were going to be easy but i had no idea how desperately difficult it would be for me yeah um because i got you know it's been hard uh let me ask you this have you do you get this a lot last night i hosted a show where it was me uh, a guy feature, uh, a woman doing a guest spot, and that woman's mother headlining. So it was two guys, two women on the show. 
the woman's mother. Yeah. Uh, Patty Rossborough has a daughter named Molly Kornfeld. Oh. Uh, and they're both on the show. And, and they're both well, great. Good for them. That's fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And Patty was so fun to watch. Like, just a hysterical show. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the show, the owner specifically asked us to bring business cards and mingle with the audience. And oh, he, yeah. Now, he, where were you guys? Uh, Rockwell's in Pelham, Westchester. Oh, I've heard of this place. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a really fun show. Yeah. And I loved the room. And they just people came out to laugh and it was yeah. like easy, you know it was easy but i was not the best comic on the show by any means mm-hmm. uh and and the feature the feature was really really solid uh scott shenlinger really oh i really, love scotty really funny he got guy. little twin babies yes yeah and after Shout the out. show i have to say like uh well people loved patty they, they were like blown away by her but like People would be like, you guys were hilarious. And then several people said something along the lines of you and even you two for women were really funny. Oh, people yeah. would just come out and say for for women you're really funny women even the owner said something like that and it's just like oh yeah like you have to hear that shit constantly i think in general people have a an inappropriate lack of boundaries with comedians like i've heard yeah. i've heard also males you know obviously this is like misogynistic to say this it's like you know we in t- 2018 we're having to like prove that like women are as intelligent as men, you know, I mean, that's basically what people are saying when, you know, and whether, and I think like, of course, you know, people would be like, I'm not misogynistic. You know, I, I like think women should vote, but it's like, it's a very, very, um, (laughs) that's very progressive. Yeah. It's a very subconscious (laughs) misogyny and it's the same experience with, I, um, you know, I think a lot of people of color have with racism where people aren't overtly racist. They actually probably think that they're being, um, like enlightened a lot of the time like they they approach it like oh i'm actually enlightened by saying something that's probably super racist you know yeah yeah i remember once i had a guy come up to me and he said that those exact words which i think a lot of women he you know i i don't usually think women are funny but i thought you were pretty funny (laughs) and i just he had a glass eye and i just thought (laughs) who are you to be you know making a comment on me as an artist you have one eye you can only half see the world anyway and your other eye is not looking good (laughs) It was a poorly, you know, finished glass eye. Uh, Or I don't know what. He had some kind of something was wrong. It was just a ball of like newspaper painted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So I guess I guess I just bring that up uh, as in all fairness, a uh, a layer that you're just constantly having to Patrick in all fairness. I mean, I can't count the amount of times that people have come up to me after a show and been like, you're like pretty funny for a man. Yeah. Like that has happened so <laughs> yes for a man that looks like that i mean you look like yeah, exactly. <laughs> you look like a, a like a lab technician or something i'd have to say so but i, I love do that think... you do actually look like the guy from westworld uh yeah oh that's like who i was thinking you know that the guy? asshole guy he's like in a domino's commercial i am too. carrying a couple of bacterial cultures are you watching westworld oh yes i have don't no spoil. idea i, I have haven't no seen idea the what's going season. on but i'm Please watching don't. it did you by any chance see the new movie hereditary uh i know i haven't and i am gonna see it this week so don't say if a word i will literally go and it will be my third time to go uh, is uh, it that good i love i'm so thrilled to go i was gonna go this weekend but i don't want to oversell it. i have to say i loved it for its subtleties although there's a lot of great parts to it i don't want to oversell it 
I think you'll like it, though. I loved um, The Witches or whatever movie. Oh, The Witch, yeah. The Witch, yeah. yeah I loved that. Uh, saw it at Nighthawk, uh, and we had Me brunch. Too. Which, yeah, yeah, I felt like the brunch was a bad choice. And I said yeah. to Ian, my boyfriend at the time, I was like, I don't think, don't get eggs. You no. Know? And he did. And then I said, you know what? There was a fetal um, egg that hatched. Yeah. And... That was not pleasant. Yeah, for... Nighthawk is tricky with that. Uh, you, you don't want to eat during every single I movie. I love Nighthawk. Or get Hawk. drunk. I can't even go there anymore because it's like if there's a menu in front of me, I won't. I'll feast. Well, I yeah. just like yeah. I have no. I can't hold myself back. I'll spend like $50. I have no money. Your bill can get very expensive there. And then also it's like, do you really want to, you know, it's like one thing to have like a little carafe and have like some, you know, delicious popcorn. And it's like one thing you're like trying to watch a movie and somebody next to you is like getting a full on like plate of chicken. You're like, okay. Yeah. Uh, My first experience. Or you just get wasted off milkshakes. Do they have boozy milkshakes? Oh my god! I do, can't yeah. The combination of alcohol and dairy is very dangerous. So I think the combination that. of alcohol and uh, what is that word for extreme sympathy and pathos? Uh, alcohol and pathos <laughs> is bad because I went to see P.S. I Love You in Austin, Texas, at a movie tavern, and I drank two p- pitchers of beer by myself, and oh my I goodness. cried my eyes out to the person I was working for that we went to this movie. Who was uh, ten years ago? What was yeah? This? yeah. Uh, a long time ago, and yeah. I will cry. I will cry, you know, f- frequently. Yeah. So, are you an actor also? Yes. And can you cry? Like, can you bring the bring the tears ah, in the scene if you had to? Ah, She's doing it, everybody. Ah, <laughs> That's incredible. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm that good. Oh yeah, you um, you have a web series and a sketch team. Is that- uh, no. I well, I went get to, your facts straight, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I went to school for acting, and then when I moved here, I was um, I was doing some acting. I was working with an experimental theater company and doing auditions and stuff, and other little sketches and various things. But then um, I started doing stand up. I did improv all through high school, a little bit in college, and then I did improv here. I did. I used We're to do a bunch of uh, at UCB in college. In high school, I did comedy sports which is like such a throwback of the improv world yeah. mm-hmm. in high in a uh, college. I did second city comedy sports is like short form, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then here I did UCB and then I had like a little indie team. And then I did um, like, I used to do a bunch of college humor sketches. I did elite daily stuff. And then I've just, I've just done like many random like student films. You did that hysterical show things. with Corinne. I shot video for you guys. Uh, oh my God. I forgot about that. I think you did like three characters. I, I, I forget what they were, but they were so, I remember being like blown away because I, I actually don't think I had seen your stand up before that. Mm. So all I knew is were these, what was the character? Was there like a, there was a blonde wig on one of them. Yeah. That was she was a, like a was, movie star. It was a French, a French ukuletter. Yeah. She, uh, it was fantastic. Um, that was our show we did. That was three years ago. I can't believe that yeah. was so long ago. That was the Comedienne project that we did at the Fringe Festival. And then we now do the show at the Standing Room, but the Standing Room is about to close. So we're going to have our last show on Wednesday. Oh, so the stand and the Standing Room at the same time are closing? Are, wow. Yeah, that's what we heard. So, huh. I mean, the stand's already closed, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but so. I thought that I heard that that was due to the lease, not to the not due to the like the people owning it, like not being able to run What's it or the whatever. What's scoop, Katie? Yeah. What's I mean, 
don't really know. I got le- I got the same email that everybody else did who was on the avails list that was like, you We don't know, get those emails. Oh, sorry, guys. You have to um, be good. Be, be talented. <laughs> um, they, you know, I think they're closing and then they're reopening at Brother Jimmy's. Yeah, I guess if they're oh, really? going to consolidate the club, maybe it's they just. But I, I heard that they're going to be reopening the standing room in a different location also, which oh. was going to be in Williamsburg, which, you know, I know in Long Island City, I mean, they have they have. First of all, it's a great venue. They have a, incredible um, cocktails. Uh, I, you know, so I love it. But I don't think that Long Island City is like the best yeah. proximity. It yeah. was just. It was nice to have like uh, something going on in that area of town, though. You know. Yeah. I, sure. I don't like. The, I will say. Do you live before, in Queens? No, I mean I live in Chelsea, but like it, I, it's still oh, like Chelsea. Yeah, I've been there for like fourteen years. Were you years. a victim a, of the bombing? He's a gay uh, lab technician. Oh, I was. Uh, I live like uh, four blocks from there. My yeah. God. Was, but no, so no. Okay, um, I just wanted to check. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the uh, yes, he was a victim of I the just, bombing. Why do you think he <laughs> looks like this? Uh, well, actually, we used to have comics comics with like an x or whatever right around yeah, the comics yeah and uh that was like a cool club but they ran that into the ground unfortunately that mm. was like cool i mean i had a comedy club right a couple blocks from me for a while when when i wasn't doing comedy at all yeah <laughs> yeah uh i want to ask you another personal question okay we let's, talked let's we, go deep and and i don't i don't know that this is all that personal you were talking about the emotional it sounded like emotional labor involved with people congratulating you after your set friday and why why you waited to to say anything about it because you didn't want to have to deal with that beforehand. How much of your ten years of doing this? You said ten, about ten years. Well, right? I've been doing stand up eight and a half years, but yeah. I've been. I mean, I've I've been performing since I was like a child. Yeah. So. Okay. So, have you? Do you work at cutting out all of the emotional, dramatic bullshit in the name of? getting work done, servicing your own career. Oh yeah. Like how do you like how do you chop out the noise? Cuz Tristan and I were sort of talking about that before you walked in today. Well, I mean, you have to uh it's just like, you know, the same I think self-discipline of not like checking your phone every 10 seconds mm-hmm. when you are doing deep focused work. I'm like a huge um proponent of that as a creativity method, you know, um uh, like logging hours of deep focused work, uh, making it a, a priority above everything else. Yeah. Um, because if you and what can't... do you mean specifically deep focused work? So deep focused work is a term that it's like a I think a psychological term mm-hmm. where um, you are able to limit distractions and you're able to focus on a, a task, um, a um, like mentally taxing task for like up to two hours at a time. Yeah. Do you sit down at a desk or do you, do you go out someplace no, publicly to do like, go what out. Do you... you have to have your, you have <clears throat> to have a specific space. Mm-hmm. I mean, like for me, I, I, I am like everything in my life is very discombobulated right now because of, um, you know, doing the late show and everything was like working towards that. And now that's over. So I'm like reordering my priorities. I'm working on different stuff, but doing in, lines of blow. Do I, yeah, I do. I just do a little cocaine so I yeah. can stay awake at dinner. My God, yeah. it's just a little bump. <laughs> um, but like my, um, I, my like work, um, 
my work is like, I have a desk, right? In my, in my room, I have a desk. I have everything that I need at my desk for any creative work. So this is like my workspace. Um, I have like a wall of post-it notes with all my bits and I start out, um, like I'll do like a two hour session minimum daily where I free write. And then I follow a writing routine that I've already set for myself. And the benefit of like setting a writing routine is that you can, you know, a lot of times when you're working in a creative way, you have a lot of stuff come up, a lot of your own issues, like fear of failure, you know, insecurity, which a lot of people struggle with, especially if you're doing something you haven't done before. Oh, I'm, oh God, I'm not going to be able to think of a joke. And then, you know, you're kind of like spiraling in that way. But if you have a routine where you just do the same thing every day, it really takes the guesswork out of like, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. So like a, a writing, a sample writing routine for me would be like free writing for 30 minutes. Um, and in my free writing, I'm like journaling emotionally. I'm ordering my um, feelings. If I'm upset about something, I work through it. It's like, you know, a way of processing your emotions. Is it just kind of like free flowing prose? Is that the deal? I'm just like writing. Sometimes I like, you know, will like write a fantasy. Sometimes I'll like write that I'm mad at someone. And you know, sometimes air... I'll just be like rage writing for the whole time. You yeah. Know? You're air typing right now. So you're, this typing. is on a computer. This is all on my computer. Okay. Yeah. And so, so I'll do that for 30 minutes. And then also if I, you know, maybe I'm not doing the writing routine that I have decided for myself, I'll order a routine in that way. So, but it would be like free writing 30 minutes and then say, I'll do two writing exercises, which would be like, you know, mental gymnastics of like helping your mind remember of how to think of that, like set up punch structure. Mm -hmm. So say like one, one writing routine I was doing like a while ago was I was free writing for 30 and then I was writing like 40 reversals, you know, just going through it, however long it takes to write that many. And then I will listen to my your question what the hell's a reversal a reversal is like a kind of one-liner where mm-hmm. um anthony jesselneck is like famous for these yeah. where you'll be like i like your shirt on a fucking dead horse uh-huh. <laughs> idiot yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. like i appear to be complimenting <laughs> you and then yeah. like so the setup is the and then the punchline is like the reversal of what the setup is um how many I, of those I love do you the actually self-conscious of this shirt by yeah. the way <laughs> out of 40 like three yeah max um, you know, a lot of it's just like garbage, but you know, and then I'll do like, and then even after later, sometimes like, because your brain is getting used to thinking in that way, then I'll just think of something in that exact like format. Yeah. Then, Cause you've kind of like, then you're already, you prime yourself. Yeah. yeah. So how many different um, types of exercises have you come up with? Or do you just have well, like a that's amount? just one that I was doing like a little while ago. But I, I for a long time used to do the comedy writers workbook. I used to do two exercises from there every day, and that's a good workbook. I, I recommend this workbook to people all the time. Is that the comedy bible, or that no. something different? <laughs> oh, the comedy bible, please. <laughs> um, no, the comedy writers workbook is written by a name, a man named Jean Perrette. And oh, I have that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I have you ever done like, it? I have that in every the first See? couple chapters where it's like just find a bunch of stuff you like like mm-hmm. jokes you like and, mm-hmm. qu- and not even jokes like find quotes you like yeah and i remember that makes so much sense like what is the language you're attracted to what what turns you on about how a person turns a phrase and that kind of stuff yeah yeah uh, definitely yeah but yeah it's a wonderful book and then you know for me that would just take i was like i know i need to write two hours a day um, this is Jean Perrette, you said, right? Jean Perrette. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I know I need to write two hours a day, but like how that's a, you know, if you've never written anything before, you're like, what am I just sitting down? Like being yeah. like, hello, hello. You know, I don't know what I'm doing, uh-huh. you know, just over In and over vacuum, again. Yeah. Um, so the routine I think is helpful. And then from there I'll go. So I'll do a couple exercises, listen to my notes. 
or listen to my sets and then maybe go in, try to add tags or go to an old joke, try to rework it, something yeah. like that. Nice. That sounds intense and disciplined and uh, like... Yeah, this yeah. is exactly what you need to do. Because I was just talking about how, you know, I, I, I also started off doing improv before like I did stand-up. And, uh, and so I was always approaching and still kind of approach stand-up from more of an improvisational way where I'll like write on stage, which is just not a consistent way to do it at all. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, you should be writing for like two hours a day, not like five minutes a day. I'll have to start with that, but, (laughs) well, Well, I mean, uh, I guess that's true too. If you're only getting up five minutes, um, typically in the past, it's been much more consistent than that, but yeah, you're right. Like, uh, the more time that you write per, per like every day, the better. I mean, even if somebody can get up and like write 30 minutes a day, if that's all you can do, that's way better than not writing every day. Sure. But it's also like, what's your goal? You know, like, is your goal to be a professional comedian or do you want to just explore yourself creatively? You know, I don't think that there you need to have explore my body creatively. Yeah. You know, paint your nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, I think like it's and also like that's what the method that works for me. And I don't think that you can necessarily say like Mm -hmm. I'm somebody who's been like a very visual learner so like for me like writing is very effective like look it it shows it shows in your in in your material and i think that's why um i I mean i can see it like you look at like all the variety of comedians that come up you know you work at a very fast pace you have a lot of content in there and it's all like really solid stuff and like i mean thank you god bless you that comes from just that's got to come from like writing that way you know yeah yeah i mean i I, i've i'm kind of psycho i guess um but for me it's actually kind of have to be right yeah i guess so i i've been working a lot with like my issues with workaholism this year and also trying to like because i will i'll work like that like a psycho and then i will be so burnt out that i can't even look at a joke i'm like i'll i'll go to shows and I'm like very fortunate to have like a you know full schedule. I'll be like sh- showing up at a show, doing a spot, and then like running out of there. Like I hate stand up because yeah. I just get so burnt out. So that's like a thing that for me now in my like next stage of my journey is to like balance. balance and bring other you know. And also it's like what are you writing about? You know, are you just writing about how poor you are all the time? And yeah. you know, it's because nothing else has happened in your life, you know, or you can't access those like childhood memories because you're not like allowing yourself to have a full bucket. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. We keep hitting on things that we were just talking about right before you came up. Oh my God. I'm psychic. That's why we were talking about like memories too. And like how one thing that I struggle with is, uh, uh, just, uh, like I have so much stuff that's happening in my life. Good, bad, whatever, like a, a rich variety of things that have occurred in my life. But, I swear like every morning I might as well just have been wiped clean and downloaded like some kind of abbreviated list of like my life because I, I have such difficulty recalling mm-hmm. like a lot of that, that detail. And we were just talking about like people who do like, like storytelling and other things like that where they're like, I have this whole story from when I was six and it's like super rich in detail. And like, we're just talking about like how much are they actually making up of that versus mm-hmm. like, are they actually recalling all that stuff? But like, yeah, I mean, we all have like a pretty rich most people that are not just like living inside of an apartment and never leaving have like a really rich, but even if you were living inside of an apartment, I mean, how many observations of just like 
like being a hermit in an apartment could you you could probably come up with a, a bunch so yeah well there's a lot of similarities between like people who especially like you know americans you know we have like a ton of similarities <clears throat> so i think even if you have a life that you would consider to be limited you have like depth that you can access that yeah. is incredibly relatable to other people yeah uh i i want to i want to i want to um turn I would change things just for a minute since since you just came off doing your um your set with the with the late night and because I mean you said it yourself like a lot of people wanted to know like what the what what kind of led up to that mm-hmm. I would really love to if you're if you want to talk about it I would really love to hear like what like maybe just like a little timeline of like what happened in terms of like you're just doing your comedy stuff to somebody I guess sees you in some context they want you to do this. Like I, I, I'd, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be really interested Trist, in hearing. Tristan is asking, how'd you get that? <laughs> Who do I like send my uh-huh. stuff to? No, I just to? like, no. I, look, everybody's process is going to be different. And asking somebody, how did they get that is, is kind of dumb because honestly, how one person gets that is going to be totally different about how another person gets that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it absolutely is. And it's not, I guess it's not wrong to ask. Um, but I think it's, you know, it, I will share my experience, but I don't think it's going to be helpful to anyone else. Because I think it's, it's probably going to be interesting to, to people. We have a lot of people that, that are not necessarily comedians that, that just like listening to like what kind of comedians do. Yeah. And I think in that sense, it would be interesting. I, don't, I, I totally agree. It would not probably be good like primer for somebody else to do the same thing. Um, but I mean, you're, if, if, if you're trying to uh, build your comedy career around how somebody else is doing it, then you're probably taking yeah. the wrong trajectory anyway. I actually think one of the best rules of thumb is like when they want you, you'll know. Yeah. Right. I think, which I think is accurate. I don't know. Uh, um, well, okay. This is something I felt, uh, I, I've listened to like some motivational podcasts sometimes, and I listened to one a little while ago and the guy had a great formula for success, which I felt like was really accurate. It was output times quality, um, divided by quantity, um, times serendipity. So, you mm. know, it's like the, so for me, my focus is, um, putting out quality material, you know, also focusing on the output and, and then just, um, the rest is, you know, God's plan, you know, exposure, God's plan, if you will. But wouldn't output be kind of, uh, analogous to quantity in a way? There was another part of, Uh, okay. Is this a Tim Ferriss thing? Do you listen to Tim Ferriss? I don't know who it was. Uh, Because I love, I I have to admit, so part of my morning writing routine is uh, something my therapist calls the spiritual, uh, what does she call it? Triathlon. Uh, I think she's a Christian. And uh, it's you write and then you listen to something slash meditate. And then give it up to Jesus. Uh, And then like gratitude list, whatever. but I've been listening to a lot of uh, Anthony uh, Robbins. Do you like Anthony Robbins? It, is that Tony Robbins? Tony Robbins. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I <laughs> Tony, really can't stand Does anybody it. say Anthony Patrick, Robbins? Patrick and Tony are more on like I'm a like, personal level. I so. listen to Anthony, him and Anthony. Theodore Robbins' yeah. uh, motivational talks. Uh, but I love that shit. Does it yeah, turn it, you on it, creatively? It does. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say Tony Robbins, I got his book and um, the unleash the power within. And I found that it was so poorly written. I could yeah. not work my way through it. I, I just, I, and, and then I thought to myself, I realized I was like, you know what? was, he was like 29 when he wrote this book and yeah. here I am. Like, I'm basically, you know, a writer 
and I'm in my 30s and it's like why you know why what's going on with my self-esteem where I feel like I need to buy this book in order mm. to like access myself mm. um, but I'm in therapy and I think that helps yeah that helps I, me that actually was good when you were talking about workaholism I was gonna see if you asked for help in any yeah. sort of way yeah I mean I um, I'm in therapy which is really great and I, I do psychoanalysis so we go down into you know like subconscious beliefs that are held and where they came from and you know early childhood experiences and we do do a lot of stuff with like memories accessing yeah. memories and remembering them when they come up and stuff but to answer your question earlier about you know like how did i get to where i am now um look at katie bringing it back that's, yeah, that's it a back. good guess i'm bringing it back <laughs> um i i started doing stand-up in 2010 in january and so i did a lot of open mics and then everyone always says this like right around the fourth year that you've been doing stand up, then you start to get opportunities. I think I won a contest in 2013 and then I like parlayed it into some featuring work. So I started featuring in 2013 in 2014, I auditioned for Montreal for the first time. And then I started also doing a lot of comedy. Was festivals. this the just for laughs? That you yes. Were? Yeah. Okay. And then I also started doing a lot of comedy festivals at that time. And all of those. So this is in 2014, say. So since then... What was your future work up to then? Sorry. Like, what, what kind of stuff were you doing? Um, I was doing... Uh, I was featuring for some clubs in the Midwest, mm-hmm. uh, like, in the summer. Because mm-hmm. I was teaching preschool at that time still. So I couldn't do... I couldn't really do any one-nighters even here. Were you able to write like you write now at that time? Or just mm-hmm. kind of... Yeah, you were? Yeah. Okay. Um, I... <clears throat> so... As I was saying, the this um, Montreal audition is like a five-minute, you know, audition. And then also I started doing all these different festivals where it was like it's your five-minute, uh, you know, presentation for the festival, which is like your tight five, you know. Mm-hmm. So since 2014, I have been intermittently retooling a tight five over and over and over again. And... Um, you know, I think finally things clicked for me as far as like what my voice was, mm-hmm. um, how to best represent myself. And um, I was actually getting a tape ready for a different submission. And I was performing at Caroline's um, where I work uh, all the time, just doing five minutes. And then the booker for the show saw me there. Mm. And uh, and that's how I that's how I was booked on the show. That's you know, so, cool. so I mean, it's like that's actually also how I was passed at Caroline's, how I was passed at New York. You know, so I mean, I think people people like to think it's like some big secret thing of like, oh, you know, who do I know and yeah. what do I do? And it's like if you have if your material is a high enough quality that it sets you apart, then, you know, the rest kind of. How did you start performing at Caroline's at the first place? Um, I, I did a show there. Um, oh, I, I like dropped, an outside produced show. Or? I dropped, I did a produced show there and the owner saw me and passed me. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, yeah, it's like a, a similar thing where it's like, you know, it has nothing to do like, uh, of course, certainly there's like nepotism in certain areas and like social, um, social like relationships are helpful, but you know, it's, hey, if you're good, you're good. If yeah, if you're good, you're good. And also, you know, like, I think because um, I'm like a kind person and I'm not like a snobby bitch, people, you know, are yeah. like happy for me and want to help me and see me do well, yeah. you know, so. 
you just mentioned that around four years in, uh, you, you're sort of discovering your voice and uh, sort of sound like you're talking about on stage persona. Do you put words to that? And like, if you did, what? How would you describe like the care? Because I, I do feel like you're you're a very unique person. Uh, and I don't know. W- would you describe that on stage presence as anything specific? Um. Yes. I'm uh, when I'm on stage. I'm doing like a couple different things. I'm doing. I'm speaking as myself, and then I'm also speaking in a caricature of myself and my own like emotional experiences. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also doing like the other people that I interact with. Yeah. You know. So it, like a lot of people, I will, I will get questions. People are like, "Oh, is that you?" And of course, it's like you know, you. It's impossible to be you. I think in a situation that's like so inorganic as doing stand up. Yeah. Um, you know, so even like for a while, I, I struggled with like always being a caricature of myself. And that's something I've struggled with in my life because I have been so deeply introverted my entire life. And now I, I guess I, I'm, I am still pretty introverted, but I'm just more comfortable being around people and I'm more comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, uh, but yeah, that was something I, I had a hard time with on stage, just being kind of like very presentational and um, almost like fake in a way because I wasn't able to allow myself to be vulnerable enough to experience uh, like the um, admonition of the audience, you mm-hmm. know, should it occur. You, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So uh, but now I think um, because I have more confidence as a performer because I feel more competent that I can handle something. If it arises, I'm able to be more real. And also because I've done so much work like with myself and in terms of like my own, um, self-worth and my own self-esteem, you know, like a lot of times I would get negative criticism and really internalize it. Mm. You know, like I did a show, um, last fall and, uh, I remember I was walking away from the show and I was walking to the train and two people in front of me were just like bashing me. Oh no. Yeah. And you know, it's an, and it was so devastating for me. I mean, this is even like say eight months ago, I guess not that yeah. long ago. Yeah. And it was so devastating to hear that, but you just know, it's bashing you as just an individual, just being out in the world. No, no, no. They were bashing my performance Oh, gotcha. and this was a performance that I had been taping. So I intentionally was like more presentational, yeah. less connected, you yeah. know, and I didn't, and I didn't like that about myself, yeah. you know? So they hit um, that insecurity basically. Yeah. And I think like anyone who's a comedian has you oh, know, yeah. issues, you know, yeah. the, we're more in touch, I guess, with ourselves than most people. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it, for me, it's been more of like a learning process of not internalizing that kind of negative attention. Mm -hmm. And then also really having the confidence to be like, well, if someone doesn't like me, then they can really go fuck themselves because like, I'm out here, I'm not like killing babies. I'm a kind, normal person. I'm pursuing my dreams. And if you have an issue with that, then, you know, you're dealing with some, something that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I forget what we were talking about. Well, I guess I, <laughs> I, 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 I had I were, a breakthrough. That's if, the point. Yeah, no. Well, I like that it led to that because I think that's a really great thing to hear about. Uh, but I, I guess I, I'm just curious because I was just thinking like, yeah, you're, you're supposed to know what your voice is and what your uh, when I say voice, like what you stand for and all your jokes and materials should kind of root back to this like core of who you are as a performer and as a person. And yeah, like when I watch you, there is such a consistency of like, 
you're always this like very um uh very funny uh but there's like that, that that gosh <laughs> that gosh golly midwestern thing but uh-huh. there's like an edge to it right. uh-huh. like, there's that's, something that's what i'm talking about the, the layers there yeah you know he, here's the thing i think you when you talk about your process and you talk about it like of course this is what everybody should do and you're right but i think i'll like 90 percent of people do not even people that are finding some level of success are not working as hard as you're describing in terms of the writing process so i would just say that uh you know that's that's awesome that you do that i think it's an inspiring thing to do i i'm i am curious like with all the writing that you do like do you save everything or do you just write stuff and you throw stuff out like what do you do with it it's so hard to save it i have i have a year's worth of voice notes on my phone and i just i can't go back through it so much so it's like it's it's so much and then it's like if something you know i i'll tweet and if something sticks it sticks but um you know it's like there are just piles and piles of shit where I'm like, who knows? Who knows what was in March of 2016? Yeah. I, I want to get in a, a last question here too. So now that you're at the point where you were and you just went through this process, first of all, like the process itself, did it feel like just kind of part of your journey of comedy or did it stand out to you in any particular way? Like the whole experience of it? Um, it seemed, it sounded like you were just pretty confident cause you felt like you'd really work that material. Well, I did. I actually did, um, the past week or so, uh, I, I mean, maybe like two weeks, I haven't been like following through with my writing process because I've been doing like a, an emotional preparation mm-hmm. for this performance because I know like for me, something I struggled with a long, a long time was, um, you know, even though I would be like confident on stage in like a bar show, which is like a very comfortable setting, I wasn't able to access that kind of confidence in like a theater show, yeah. Yeah. you know, when I'm like featuring or like hosting or at some other various like contests I went to, you know, things like that. And, and, um, through the past like two years, I've been focusing on this like challenge and kind of doing, you know, figuring out, um, different ways to like work around it, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's like, you can't, you can't like what your emotional response to it or just like the ability Mm -hmm. to access a carefree and, um, genuine demeanor in a setting that's very stressful yeah yeah absolutely um and you know like a lot of times you know in that situation i would be nervous but faking you know so that's fine but that's not the same as like actually you know throwing it away and and really being like in control of the show Mm -hmm. which you have to be when it's just one person there you know you can't be like oh (laughs) people are so perceptive they can just see right to the core of like you know what you're feeling a lot of the time yeah so so i had i had been doing and and that like i said this is something that i've been working through consistently like you know for a uh, the past two years, especially when I've been having a lot bigger performances. Um, but I came up with a seven part method <laughs> of, uh, w- what I w- tell myself. Um, and then, you know, I was going through this like visualization process of like, this is what the day is going to be like. And that, that helped me to go through the day ex- knowing what to expect. Cause I've already like experienced it in my mind. This is what Michael Phelps does by the way. So I, yeah. I've like read this <laughs> somewhere or something, but my seven part, um, method for, a confident performance is one. I remind myself I deserve this. Two, I remind myself that um, being nervous doesn't necessarily mean that you can't access confidence and, mm. and have a confident performance. Um, three, I remind myself that I'm very prepared, so it's unlikely that things will go wrong. 
four, I wrap myself in a, this is, this is a very personal one, but it's a pink, um, blanket made of light. That is unconditional self-love and self-acceptance. And this is, this is a theoretical one. Is this not, one that you have a vision for yourself? This is, yeah, this is a visualization. Yeah. Yeah. A pink blanket. Um, Sorry, then, what were, what, what's the blanket made of, though, again? Uh, I cut it's, you like, off. It's, like a, it's like a translucent, fuzzy blanket no, of light. No, but what were the words you were attaching to it? I, I, oh, I, I feel self, like this is important. Unconditional self-love and self-acceptance. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and That's hard for me to just do like my everyday life, much yeah, less you should in, work in performance. You have to work on it. Um, I forget what the other ones were, but they were really good. <laughs> I, I wish I didn't cut you off because that's like beautiful. And, and like, are, are you, did you do the artist way or something? Yes, I did. I mean, like, I did it like years ago. Yeah. Like, I think that soft, loving language of all those things, like the thing, the, the podcast you were talking about earlier and what you just described this you know, we got four of the seven parts, which is still sounds like amazing stuff. Yeah. I, I, I do a lot of that stuff too. And I noticed I think number five I, was just like a couple lines of Coke. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I noticed when I'm not yeah. doing that stuff, I'm like, I, I'm white knuckling through shows. I'm like, I feel my jaw clenched. I like, don't even like my friends anymore at mics yeah. or shows. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I'm just like so fucking just i feel like i'm going for it and i'm like going it about it the right way but tristan can even tell when yeah. i'm like oh yeah i'm like have tunnel but when you, vision when you just let it go and you just like i'm just gonna have fun with this it's just always uh it's it's a pleasure yeah you know? so well, i mean i think you will always underestimate like we we live in a society that it like is very perfection based but also denies the importance of effort you know so you like you, you also hear that like people are like oh so and so so talented it's like no they've put in a lot of work so much work yeah so if you're able to give yourself the time to prepare properly yeah. for your performances then instead of coming at it from a fear-based uh, uh you know attitude of like you know like um, trying to, this is also like an acting technique where you're not trying to hit every like emotion and reaction. You're, uh, able to do so much preparation that you really can throw it away. Yeah. Um, then you can really like play and find that joyfulness with your own creative process. But that's something I've struggled with too. Yeah. You know, I, I Katie, I gotta say, this is very, in, this is inspiring. I think this is kind of things that we've heard before, but I think you're able to, um, kind of talk about it in a way that is is kind of relatable and, and understandable. And I think that, you know, look, it's very clear that you've you've worked very hard and you do deserve all the things that you, you've managed to pull out here. And that, you know, I think this is a great example for anybody that wants to do this, that like, hey, how did Katie get it? She worked really fucking hard and, you know, and it is making it a top priority. Right. And like, that's yeah. what we've all got to do. Um, I mean, that's an example I got to take for myself instead of my pity parties that we talked about at the yeah. beginning of the yeah. The beginning of the comedy. It's always good to talk to somebody who, uh, um, who's who's got such a focus and and got a work ethic because that's what it takes to do it. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell people about anything that you've got coming up? Uh, I'd love to. Yeah. What do we got? Um, well, I actually have. Uh, if I could siphon some of your listeners, I have my own podcast. Oh yeah, please let let them know. What, it's what's called Apodcalypse, and it's about how to survive in a cataclysm, and also um, apocalypses in pop culture and history, and what they really say about us sociologically. It's funny, and you'll learn a lot. So it's called Apodcalypse. It's available on iTunes. And I any show, that. any shows happening in the next month that you want to? I mean, I know you just got off this big thing, but. Uh, um, 
I don't know what my schedule is, but you can go to <laughs> katiehannigan.com is my website. I post my schedule there. We'll have so, all that information on yeah. our website uh, along with the podcast. And yeah, and Comic we'll stay tuned for the Late Show to see your set yeah. when it airs. Really looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. thanks, guys. Thank all you right. for having me. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for coming. Guys, you've been listening to the Comics Table with uh, right. Sweet Tea. And Sweet Pea, everybody. We'll see you soon. See ya. Thank you.